uh, I said, hey, I got a van and a trailer. Can I come get it? Come get it, he said. It's, it's, I'll have it waiting on you. So um, Max was kind enough to break off his four-wheeler for uh, the time that I got to use it. And uh, I have to tell you, that's probably the, some of the most fun I've had in the last two or three months. Um, we spent two hours uh, at that place. That is just four-wheeler heaven, pretty much. It had just rained, and uh, Jim Chaplin and I went over. He took a video camera, and I had never done that before, so the, the early going was, uh, was tenuous at best. But as we kind of stayed with it and kept going, by the end of it, um, I was doing some pretty fun things. It was really funny because Jim said, now what I want you to do is I want you to go around the corner and go down this hill and then you're going to go down and I want you to go back up. And these hills are only like four or five feet high. <clears throat> and so I'm like, okay, I can do that. So I, I, but I hadn't looked at them. I didn't, I didn't go look and see what I was going to actually be doing. I just rounded the corner. And when I did, I rounded the corner and it went straight down. And I just locked them up. And Jim was cracking up laughing. So I made it down and then I went around the corner and, and decided I was going to go up. And I'm telling you guys, when, you, when you're sitting on that thing, it looks like it's going straight up, and this thing had a mound at the top of it. And it, it was one of those deals where you thought, I'm going to get to the top, and it's just going to kick me straight back. He said, Brett, I promise you, it'll, that thing will go straight up the hill. I said, no, it won't. He said, Brett, just mash it and go straight up the hill. So uh, the, I think the last thing I said before I did that was, you're trying to get me killed. Well, Jim had more fun, I think, than I did because he was laughing at me most of the time. But by the end of it, just had a great time. I want to go back is pretty much what I have determined. I want to go back and do more because that was a lot of fun. So uh, I want to say thanks to Max because he's been very generous to, to let me use that. Um, I don't think he knew that I had never ridden one before. That might have changed his mind. <laughs> hey, take your Bible and turn to John chapter 4. I don't know about you, but these, these two weeks um, have just been tremendous. Um, it was good last week was good even though the car show got canceled um it was still good we god blessed us last night we did our car show last night if you were here you saw the amazing amount of cars that were here and the people and and uh, i just have to commend our church i really um i know i i mean i didn't do I, there's no reason for me to be proud because i didn't do anything and pride's probably not a good word to use but i just stood last night and watched you and and watched our church be the church i watched us engage people i watched us uh you know talk to people and and try and be the church and we had a lot of people on this property last night that i don't think church is really a very high priority for them um but if they're ever going to feel loved and they're ever going to feel accepted it's going to happen at a place like this that that uh opens itself up and invites people to come and and really takes them where they are so the car show last night was tremendous but my folks came over last weekend we're here in anticipation of the car show hoping that it would go off it didn't but the 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 day was a good day we had a lot of fun the whole radio controlled truck thing was a lot of fun and we've just been uh i just been couldn't wait to, to tell to do preach this message uh to you because i just think it's it's um it so befits what we're talking about with being off-road and, and going off-road for people. Um, but then you add to that the baptisms that have happened this week, and it's just been a, a tremendous week. And, and um, man, uh, is there a better job in America than my job? I don't think there is. I have the best job in America. John chapter 4, verse 1. This is a story that's very familiar to you. Uh, uh, 
there's really no surprises in this story. You've heard this a, a hundred times, if not more, and you've heard this from the time you were able to understand somebody telling you a story. But I hope to draw out some things today in keeping with our theme to kind of show you, uh, it, make some points about what it means to go off-road to get people and to use maybe a, a little different method. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 1. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact... It was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. It's interesting because Jesus is not interested in a confrontation with the Pharisees at this point. He knows that that time will come. He knows that there's going to come a point that uh, he's going to have to go toe-to-toe and head-to-head with them. And, but it's not now. At Jesus, it, a lot of things can be said about Jesus, but one of the great things that can be said about Jesus is he understood timing. He knew when it was the right time to do something. And he's not interested in a competition with John the Baptist. I think it's really important for us to point that out as well. Uh, I read an ad this week in, a local, in our local paper by uh, one of our local churches. And you know what? I've said up here many times that we don't compete with anybody, and I really believe that. We're not out to compete with anybody. But after I got done reading this ad, I thought, you know, they just kind of sound like they think they're better than everybody else. And I don't think it's wise for us to enter into those kind of anytime if you ever hear us advertise ourselves and it sounds the least bit like we've set ourselves up over everybody else please let me know that because that's not our intent ever um, we don't want to compete we're not trying to compete with anybody else um, it really it just comes down to and you've heard me talk about this before it comes down to a difference in style there needs to be a church on the north end of town that does church the way we do church there are plenty of churches that do the traditional thing the traditional thing needs to happen it absolutely needs to happen because there are people that will only go to a traditional church but there are some people that would not think of going to a traditional church but they might come to a place that does a car show they might come to a place that has a band they might come to a place that that does things maybe a little different has a little different reputation than just the the thing that they grew up with their whole life and so that's why we do church the way we do it we don't think we're better than anybody else because we do church this way that's not the point the point is we're trying to reach people that otherwise we're trying to be a safe place really for people to go to church jesus in in verse four this is the, the biggest off-road statement probably in Scripture. Now, he had to go through Samaria. I love that passage. He had to go through Samaria. That, that, is, that is off-road. Samaria and Samaritans were hated by Jews. It went all the way back to 700 years previous to this when the Assyrian captivity took place, and basically the Jews had intermarried with Gentiles, and, and, and they, were, they became a race of people that the Jews just would not associate with. And um, because of that, if you were a Jew and you were going to make this route from Judea to Galilee, the way Jesus was about to do, you would actually go three days out of your way to go to make that trip, just so you wouldn't go through Samaria. No Jew would ever say, I have to go through Samaria. It wasn't even an option. It wasn't something that they even thought about. And here's, here's the Gospel of John telling us Jesus had to go through Samaria. You ask yourself, why does he have to go? Um, why did he have to do that? Did he really have to do that? Really? Yes, he did. You know why? Because there was a woman in Samaria who didn't know him. And there was a woman in Samaria whose testimony would be so great that she would impact an entire village after her run-in with Jesus. 
that Jesus would be so off-road with this lady that he would go to a place that nobody expected him to go. He would, he would risk criticism. He would risk people saying, hey, why are you doing that? What's up with that? What, what, you know, that, doesn't, that doesn't gel with everything we've been taught about church and how to do it and, and how to be a good religious person in Jesus' time. This is not how you win friends and influ- influence people in Jesus' time if you want to look religious. If you want to look like somebody who's close to God in Jesus' time, you wouldn't go through Samaria. That's not how it happened. And yet here he goes through Samaria because the Bible says he had to. He was an off-road guy. And he definitely uh, had to go off-road here. Verse 5, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. This is a very special uh, place that Jesus is, very historical. Jacob's uh, well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now, scholars vary on the time of day here. I can take books in my library and stack them up on one side, and they would say he was meeting this woman at six o'clock in the evening. I can take another book stack of books, and I would just add at this point the ones I really respect, the scholars I really like, stack them up on this side, and they say noon. Um, I tend to believe that it's noon. And it, what's interesting is that John, in most of his gospel, basically keeps Roman time, which, is, which would have this happen at 6 o'clock. Uh, Roman time would have said this would have been 6 o'clock, but Jewish time would have said this would have been noon because the Jews started counting their day, their hours, at 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, and for several reasons, all of which I won't go into here, it just really makes more sense uh, in this story that he would have been meeting her at noon. I mean, there's probably three or four reasons I could give you that would support that. We don't really have time for that this morning, but we, th- we think, I think, this, this encounter happened about noontime. So you can imagine the, the sun is high in the sky, it's hot. Uh, Jesus and the disciples have been traveling quite a bit. Um, he's tired, he's thirsty. You know, who knows what kind of conversations they've had on the way? Who knows whether they've been joking or maybe they joked early in the day and as they went on, you know, when you get tired, you get a little hot and fussy and thirsty and hungry and it's like, you know, I don't feel like joking anymore. This is starting to get serious. The sun's reached its peak and it has basically just drained these travelers. These guys are, are, are kind of toasted at this point. Verse 6, the second part. It was about the sixth hour when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Now, there is a ton of information in those two little lines. Uh, I hope that when you read Scripture, you stop from time to time and you just think about what's happening in the stories. And if you do that, uh, a lot of times this kind of stuff will just, it, it'll just become clear to you if you just think about it and, and put, try and put yourself in the time of Jesus and, and, and try and maybe relive this a little bit. Um, these are not independent verses. These, are, these tell us an awful lot about this lady. It's noon. It's the sixth hour and this woman's come to draw water. The normal tri- time for drawing water would have been 6 o'clock in the evening or, or late afternoon, early evening. The normal time would be at the beginning of the, mor- at the beginning of the day. You would go get your water for the day, and then you get water for the evening. That would be the normal time that you would go get water. And um, there's two things that I want you to know about this lady at this point. Um, first of all, she's doing a job that at the, at, in this time, in this era of of history this particular part of the country this was a a lady's job this was something that the women did they would it was their job to to carry the water pots and go to the well in this case the well was probably about 250 yards outside the city and so they would have to carry these jars many times they would carry them on their shoulder on their head big 
clay pots heavy, especially when you put water in them, and, and they would go get the water every day. Um, but there's two things that we can draw from this particular place in Scripture. First of all, she seems to have come alone. And second of all, she, she's come at an odd hour. Uh, high noon is not the time you would be going if you were these ladies to go get water. That just wasn't the time of day to do that. You ask yourself, why would she do it then? And why would she be by herself? The answer to that is she's, she's an outcast. She, she is not a person who enjoys a lot of fellowship. She's not someone who, who, when she walks down the street in her hometown, that everybody looks at her and greets her and says, hi, how you doing? A lot of people probably would have averted their, their eyes from her. A lot of people wouldn't have wanted to look at her. A lot of people would have called her Tom A, which, which meant unclean. They, they wouldn't have wanted to have anything to do with this woman. She was very accustomed to being shunned, to being on the outs. She, she wasn't someone who probably was very uh, accepted. When we were in Thailand a couple of years ago, we, um, we, we went to this place called the Agape House, and it's a, it's a place, basically, it's an, it's an AIDS orphanage, pretty much. And while we were there, we were taking the tour, and it's just this beautiful facility, just amazing things going on there. But it was, we were there in the morning, and it was just about time for them. They were getting ready for the lunch to serve the kids lunch. And so the ladies, the, the, the nannies who took care of the babies, some of them had gathered, and they'd gotten in the floor with their cutting boards, and they were cutting up the vegetables, and they were getting all the stuff cut up and ready to, to make the meal. And as we went through, when we got through that particular part of the tour, um, what is her name? Kathy Walden looked at us and said, that is very typical. Uh, the women will, will do that in community. They'll get together, they'll get in the floor, and they'll cut their vegetables, and they'll do all their work together. And that's their time to talk. That's their time to share with one another, maybe catch up on some gossip or find out what the news is to explain what's going on in my house, what's going on in your house. That is a very social time for them. That would have been the case for these ladies as they would go to the well every day. This was social time as well as a work time. As they would make their way out, that, that journey, that 250 yards to the well, they would talk back and forth as they lowered their buckets down to get the water and filled up their jars. They would talk about what's going on in the village and, and what my son did or what my daughter did and what our, where, we, where we're planning to go or what we're going to do. It would have been a very, very social time for them and uh, this woman doesn't get to enjoy that kind of stuff. She comes by herself. She's, she's all alone. Nobody talks to her the way they talk to the other, woman, the, the other women. Um, she is in every way off-road. I, I mean, she's out there. She, she has uh, gone far off the beaten path, and, and uh, um, she needs some help. Verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, there's all kinds of reasons why this exchange shouldn't be happening. First of all, he's a man, she's a woman. You just didn't do that in this time. Women did not hear from men publicly. They, didn't, they weren't spoken to by men. It was just the culture. Um, I know that's kind of strange for us to hear, but in that time, that's just the way it was. And so when she hears this masculine voice directed in her, attention, in, in her direction, uh, it gets her attention. The second thing is that he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan. Um, you know, I don't fully know all the ways that they would be able to tell that about each other, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they were able to look and just kind of know 
that there was a, a, a difference among them and that there were reasons that they shouldn't be talking. They certainly wouldn't be talking together. This is an extremely unusual thing that happens here. And at this point, the woman highlights the obvious problem with this encounter. You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan. And you can almost hear in her voice, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're not supposed to be talking to me. In other words, what she would say is, hey, you're off-road here. This is, this is out of the normal. This is, this is not typical. This isn't the way it's supposed to be happening. And it's here that Jesus really brings out the third reason why you would not really expect these two to be talking. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. There is a marked difference in their spiritual condition. It's a marked difference. Here's the woman... You know, he stands there physically a thirsty man. But really, spiritually, she is the one who's thirsty. She's the one in need. She's the one who needs to, to have her, her thirst slaked. It's, it's her that, that really has the problem. And, and in almost every way that someone can be off-road, this woman is off-road. And in this beautiful exchange, Jesus has, has really veered off the beaten path intentionally, I might add. And, and his method truly is an off-road method. Um, if you thought the Pharisees were trying to cause trouble with Jesus because uh, he was, his disciples were baptizing more people than John the Baptist and they were trying to stir up a dissension and, a, and some confusion there, can you imagine what they would have said about him if they could have seen him now? Can you imagine the criticism that Jesus would have gotten from Pharisees if they had seen him with this woman, talking to her, even in this town? I mean, a good Pharisee wouldn't even dream of going to Samaria. I can't stress enough that what got Jesus in trouble with people was that he was not religious enough. It wasn't that, that, um, that they just didn't like him. It was they didn't like his method. He, was, he used an off-road method. He wasn't afraid to have people criticize him. He wasn't afraid to have people look at what he's doing and say, you know what, uh, we don't like it. Um, whenever I'm explaining cross lane to somebody, and, and I, I kind of go out of my, I almost go out of my way to, I do go out of my way to make sure that they understand that this is not a typical church. That if they grew up, I ask them, a lot of times I'll ask the question, did you grow up in church? And if they say yes, I'll say, was it a pretty traditional church? And they'll, so if they say yes, I'll say, well, we'd love for you to come to Cross Lane, but you need to know some things before you come. And I'll start talking about how we do things. And I'll talk about car shows, and I'll talk about the day we rode the motorcycle in, and I'll tell them about the band, and and uh, I just want them to, I don't want them to be surprised when they come. I want them to know what they're getting when they come here. Uh, most people are really excited that there is a place like this that they can come to. Um, but every now and then, I get a funny look from people. And especially when I'm talking to someone who has grown up in church, especially if I'm talking to someone who regularly goes to church. A lot of times when I'm talking to preachers, if I'm out at a convention or something and, and we start comparing notes, talking about our churches, uh, I'll tell them some of the stuff we've done. And I've, I've had this experience where they look at me with that condescending kind of, you're not spiritual, um, that's not how you do church look. And as if that would intimidate, or as if that would make me think, you know, want to bow my head and go, oh, you know, we're not, we're not as good a church as everybody else because we do it different. I want to say this as boldly, as humbly as I can, but as boldly as I can. We cannot be afraid and we cannot be intimidated by spiritual people who would make us think 
that the way we go about doing things is bad or wrong. Listen, when you step out of the norm, when you, when you try and do things the way Jesus did them, Jesus was not religious enough for the people in his own environment. He was not religious enough for the, the religious leaders of his day. And they would have tried to have intimidate. They would have tried to intimidate him. They would have, they would have tried to put him down and, and criticize. And you know what? We're going to be criticized. You need to know that. We're, we're going to do things a little differently, and we're going to have people kind of look down their nose and say, well, you know, at our church, we don't do that. You know what I hope you'll say sometime? That's, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I wish that you guys... <laughs> I probably shouldn't be telling you to do this because it doesn't sound very nice. But what I want to say to people, <laughs> the fleshly side of me is coming out right now, but what I want to say to people is I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry that you can't have a little fun. I'm so sorry that you, you're so intimidated and so scared to death that somebody's going to criticize you that it gets in the way of your ability to reach somebody for Jesus. I, I'm so sorry that you don't, you don't care anymore that you would be willing to have somebody look at you and look down their nose at you, that you would run the risk of not looking as spiritual as everybody else in an effort to bring somebody else to Jesus. You know what? Criticize us for riding motorcycles in the church building. Criticize us for having car shows. Criticize us for the music we play, for the way we let people dress, for any number of things. You go right ahead. All I know is that people at this church find a Jesus who loves them. They find an off-road Jesus who meets them where they are and they feel accepted and they feel loved and they know that it's not about how you dress, it's not about how you perform, it's not about knowing the, the Bible verses, it's not about how much money you give, it's not about any of that stuff. It is, I need a Savior. And what we do at this place, what we try to do is take everything else out of the way so that that can be seen plain and clear. You need a Savior. And it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. It doesn't matter if you're the woman at the well. Jesus went off-road to meet this woman. I've heard people say, you know, I'd love to bring my mother here, but, but she's Catholic. And you know what they're really telling me when they tell me that? You know what they're telling me when they tell me someone's Catholic and they can't come here? Now, I, I need to say this very clearly. No problem with you being Catholic. That's fine. But don't let your being Catholic keep you from coming here. Because if that's the case, you know what I would say about you? You're letting religion get in the way. And I love the fact that, that some people say, you know, we've got people that come to this church from all different kinds of churches. And, and I've, I've heard them say, you know, it's, it's a little different than what I'm used to, but I really like it around here. I feel accepted. I feel warm and loved. And, and I can't deny what's happening. I see people come to Jesus, and, and I want to be a part of that. What I love about Jesus is that he didn't let religion get in his way of sharing himself with the people who needed him. If he had, he wouldn't have been in Samaria. If he had let religion get in the way, you know, what he'd, you know where he'd be right now? He'd be far east of Samaria, and he'd be looking just like everybody else. And this woman would not have ever had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus says, you can criticize me all you want, but I'm going through Samaria. We have to go through Samaria. What that means to us is that we've got to do car shows. We've got to do Kids Hope. We've got to do the band. We've got we to gotta do off-road. We've got to do soundtrack. We've got to put a wrestling rink up here on the stage. We've got to do something that will capture the imaginations of people and get their guard down just long enough to be able to get the one clear message through to them, Jesus loves you just the way you are. He meets you right where you are, and he wants to love you into a right relationship with him. It's not something that you do overnight. 
We have to constantly think of creative ways to bring people to Jesus. And I hope that we will never become a church that gets intimidated or bows to criticism because somebody said, hey, you know what, that's not how you're supposed to do it. Well, my, answer, my question back is, says who? Says who? A bunch of religious people? A bunch of people who set up church the way they want it to be because that's the way it's supposed to be, us four and no more. Don't step outside the boundaries. Don't color outside the lines. Please, please, one question. Are you winning people to Jesus? Do they know that Jesus loves them? Do they walk into your church building and do they feel loved and accepted and warm? Do they, do they feel the love of Christ when they walk into your... I, I, listen, I sat here last night and I watched all over our parking lot. I can't tell you how many people said, hey, Brett, there's somebody over here that needs to go to church. I want you to go talk to them. There's some, I want you to meet somebody. Constantly last night, people bringing people for me to meet. You know what they were doing? Make them feel loved. Make them feel warm. Make them feel accepted. Be Jesus to them. That's what all of us were doing last night on this parking lot. Off-road. The woman is skeptical. Verse 11, we must hurry. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? In other words, (laughs) you ain't from around here, are you, boy? And besides, what are you going to draw with? See, in the time of Jesus, the way they would get this water is they had this hardened leather little pouch. And they would, that was attached to a rope. And they would lower that down, they would pull it out, and they'd pour that water into the jar. That's how they got the water. He didn't have any of this stuff. No jar, no, nothing to lower the water. And he's talking about this living water, which is a, to her means moving water. And she's saying, how are you going to get that? She came equipped to draw. One look at Jesus. He's got no water pots. He's got no leather pouch. And he said, she says, you're off-road. You are not where you're supposed to be. Verse 13, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become, up, will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Sounds good, doesn't it? Wouldn't you love to have water that you could drink that you would never be thirsty again? I mean, if I was offering that to you, you'd say, I want some of that. That you could have a water that would slake your thirst forever. You'd say, yeah, give me some of that. See, physically, we can't do that for people. You can't give that kind of water to somebody because it doesn't exist. But spiritually, we have that ability. We can share with them what will be for them a well springing up in them. They would find new life. The message of Jesus saving grace really is a message that will fill you up and people around here i mean just talk to people around here and you'll 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 see that they experience that they experience the filling presence of jesus for all of us our problems a lot of times are spiritual they may look physical a lot of the problems that people want to talk about they they manifest themselves physically but really i've found that if you really press a lot of times what's going on is a spiritual thing in somebody's life usually it's an estrangement from god Usually there's some distance and it, 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 it's, it creates an angst for people. It, it really bothers them to, to have that separation. It's here that Jesus decides to point out the huge elephant that is sitting in the room. Have you ever had a conversation and there's something that needs to be talked about and it's just not getting talked about? We call it the elephant in the room. Jesus is about to point to the great big huge stinking elephant that is in the room at this point. 
the fact that someone's spiritual condition isn't what it's supposed to be, you ever had a conversation with somebody like that and you want to talk about Jesus so bad, but you, and, and it is really the elephant in the room. It's like, you know, I need to have this conversation, but I don't know how to do it, and I'm afraid I'm going to mess the whole thing up. Um, Jesus has that conversation. With one sentence, he basically rips the veil off of everything going on in this lady's life. Uh, really exposes her spiritual condition. Look at verse 16. He told her, go call your husband and come back. Ooh. She knew. She knew what she was about. She knew what, what her, uh, her present uh, relationship state was, if I can put it gently. She knew, and he knew. She didn't know that he knew. Now, she knows, he knows. Verse 17, I have no husband, she replied. What do you think went through her mind right now? You ever been doing something and someone rounded the corner, it was something you didn't want anybody to see you doing and your heart starts thumping? You know, it's like, oh man, they just found, oh, stink. I think that might have gone on with this woman right here. It's like, oh my goodness, he knows about me. You think her pulse quickened just a little bit? Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Basically, Jesus looks back at her after she has looked at him and said, you're off-road. He looks back and says, no, you're off-road. You're off-road. Verse 19, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Change the subject as quickly as we can. Jesus declared, believe me, a woman, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And then Jesus makes a wonderful statement, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. The Father is seeking worshipers. Here's the good news. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin. It has nothing to do with where you're from. It has nothing to do with how bad you've been or how good you've been. It has nothing to do with the language you speak. It has nothing to do with whether you're male or female. God is looking for worshipers. And the only prerequisite for that is that you would be after him with your whole heart. Basically what this guy tells us, what Jesus tells this lady is, you're a candidate to be the kind of worshiper that the follower, that the, 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 to be the kind of worshiper that the Father seeks. One that will worship the Father in spirit and truth. You can be that, Jesus is saying. Look at verse 24. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. This woman's a lot like most of the people that you and I are going to meet. Most people believe in Jesus. Most people believe that Jesus lived. Most people will even give you that Jesus died on a cross, and a lot of them, the majority of them, will give you that he rose from the grave. Most people buy into that. But they kind of do what this woman does. They, they kind of want to have that conversation later. 
They don't want to acknowledge it. They don't want to really talk much about the resurrection of Jesus because when you do that, now it's going to start making demands on me and I don't like where this conversation is going. And so a lot of people, and that's really what we're trying to do is engage them in the story of Jesus in such a way that they can listen to it without being intimidated, without being overpowered, without being made to feel like they don't know what's going on. It's why we're strategic about the way we do this stuff. It's, you know, these people that carry these signs on street corners and yell at people to repent and they're going to hell if they don't stop sinning. You ever seen anybody come to Christ that way? I, I can't imagine doing that. Jesus blows the whole lid off this conversation and all of the code speak and all the pretension and all the pretending and, and he's going to bring this woman truly face to face, not just physically but spiritually with himself look at verse 26 then jesus declared i who speak to you am he two little words ego a me greek ego a me i am the jews would have recognized those words because they're very similar to what god said to moses when he was in the desert i am that i am when the jews heard jesus talk this way it made them mad basically what he's saying is you're off road and to get back to pavement you're going to have to have a right standing with God. Doesn't matter what you've done, who you are, what your sins are, what race, what gender. Put your faith in me. In other words, what Jesus is saying, I, I, it hit me this week as I was working on this. Really, what Jesus is saying is the title of the sermon today Get in the truck. That's really what Jesus is saying. Hey, you need pavement. You are way off road. Get in the truck. I mean, the only hope you got is to be with me, so you better get in this truck because I can take you back. Verse 27, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking to her? They wondered it, but they didn't say it. They were getting an off-road education too. They were learning that this isn't about religion. This is about going off-road and bringing people to Jesus. I would just say at this point, it's off-road, this idea of going off-road is not for the faint of heart um, you have to have the right equipment when we took the the uh, four-wheeler over to the quarry where we did this the video it had rained the day before and so i had the church van jim took the four-wheeler on and i had the church van and i pulled into this place and it was all dirt and i looked at it and i thought man i hope i don't get stuck in all this stuff well i just drove the church van right up into this mud and i i mean i if I pulled up and I stopped and I thought if you stay here when you come back the wheels will be six inches in the mud so I put it in reverse and I started backing up and the van was like all over the place what I learned was the van's not a very good off-road vehicle because I was all over the place and there, there were tracks I went by the next day and there were tracks everywhere and I thought boy I hope nobody saw me doing that but you have to have the right equipment there's a there's a couple of guys <clears throat> I've questioned whether or not I should have brought this up but I'm going to there are a couple of guys that, are, that have a ministry called triplexchurch.com. They're very provocative in the way they try to reach people for Christ. And I'll just I'll do this as delicately as I can, but they basically go to adult film expos, like conventions where the, the adult film industry comes together to, to press their wares and, and to you know, put their stuff on sale or whatever, figure out how they're going to do it better or whatever. I don't know. But these guys go to those they buy booth space they hand out bibles they had special bibles printed now i'm going to tell you this and and uh, hopefully you talk about this over lunch 
okay? I hope you have a really good conversation about how off-road you're willing to go. But these guys had Bibles printed. In fact, Zondervan and some of the major Bible printers would not print this Bible for them. You know what the title of the Bible was? Jesus Loves Porn Stars. That's printed on the very front of the Bible. They wouldn't, people wouldn't touch it. But they take these Bibles, I, I don't know how many thousands, they finally got somebody to print them, and they took them to this one show, and they gave one out to everybody that passed by. Porn stars, directors, producers, advertisers. Hey, here, take a Bible, take a Bible, t- here, take a Bible. They gave them all away. And it's been interesting to listen to the, the, the experts talk about whether or not that is a right or a wrong thing to do. First of all, I would just tell you, I have a huge amount of respect for two guys that are willing to go to a place that most guys that I know wouldn't fare very well. You know why? Because I don't know how off-road ready they are. But these two guys, I'm telling you, if, you've, if you could listen to them talk and you could read their stuff, they are locked in. They are totally committed to reaching this community for Jesus. And they've been criticized. ABC News, the national news, did a big spread on them. And they had you know major Bible teachers that were criticizing them and saying they shouldn't do it. And you know what these two guys said back? Hey, maybe we are doing something wrong. I don't know. We just know that these people don't know Jesus. And if you've got a better way to reach this community for Christ, we're all ears. And it's highly possible that we're making a mistake somewhere along the way. We don't think we are, but it's possible that we are. But our passion to reach these people for Jesus drives us, compels us. So criticize us all you want. We're going to tell these people about Jesus. Now, if the Bible had said Jesus loves porn, I don't think that Bible should be handed out either because I don't think that's true. But does he love a porn star? Yes, he does. And they need to be told that. And here's two guys that are willing to go off-road in the process to do it. Here's the thing. Be an influencer, not an influencee. We're all called to go off-road. I mean, it's not like that's an optional thing. It's not like some people are, you know, well, they're just more equipped to do that than me. No, Jesus says, jack your truck up. Whatever it takes for you to be able to go get these people, you need to mature yourself. You need to be in the Word. You need to be strong enough to be able to go off-road and reach these people. Don't just say, well, I don't, you know, I'm afraid that, that would eat me up. I better not go there. Get strong enough. What does it take? What do you need? If you don't have the right... <laughs> basically, when I was in the van, it's basically saying, the van, I don't need to be in the van on this mud. I need to go get a truck and get in the mud. Do what it takes to get yourself ready to go. We're all called to get a bigger truck. Next passage is just beautiful to me. Then, leaving her water jar, this is verse 28, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town, made their way toward him. Then she goes off road. Verse 29, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. You know what I think went through this village's mind? (laughs) Wait a minute. This guy told you everything you've ever done and he's still willing to talk to you? He knows everything about you and he still, he talked to you? We gotta meet this guy. I, I, wanna see, I wanna see the person who would know everything about you and still be willing to talk to you. The room this morning is filled with people who met Jesus off-road. I tell people all the time, you know the best thing about our church? It's full of broken people. It's full of people 
who, who have had to overcome things, who've had things that happened in their life that they weren't proud of. It's full of people that have a, a past or a history, and they don't want to relive it, but at the same time, they know that Jesus can overcome it. It's full of people that met Jesus off-road, and Jesus has very gently guided you back to pavement and you're on pavement and do you know why not because you're good and not because you're holy and not because you're all put together you're on pavement because you have the righteousness of christ are you off-road this morning do you see yourself in the woman at the well kind of an outcast kind of thinking to yourself you know god couldn't love somebody like me you don't know what i've done i don't care what you've done Afraid of what Jesus might think about you. Thinking that maybe your sins are just more than everybody else's. He already knows. He already loves you. God sent Jesus to earth. Off-road. I mean, that is ultimately off-road. When you leave heaven and come to earth, that's as off-road as it gets. And he died for you and for me to meet us right where we are so that we can follow him. Listen, Cross Lane has always got to be a church that is willing to do whatever it takes within the bounds of not sinning to reach people for Jesus. So you can count on that from us. And you may criticize from time to time. That's okay. If you don't understand, come and ask me. I'll do my best to explain why we're doing something a certain way. Every time we do something, there's always a reason behind it. But before you criticize, always ask yourself the question, what am I doing? How off-road am I going to reach people for Jesus? We're committed to it. We really believe that it's important to reach people for Christ. Let's pray together. Father, <clears throat> I give you thanks for the last couple of weeks because you have encouraged us, you have revealed some things to us, and you have showed us the kind of church that you want us to be. And Lord, I know it's a little different. Uh, it's not the most outrageous church in the world. It's not uh, the most... Uh, innovative it's pretty innovative I think but it's not the most but Lord we're just trying to do whatever it takes to help people to see that God loves them so in the weeks to come in the years to come in the history of this church I pray that when we look back when it's all said and done we will look back over our shoulder and we will say with Jesus we had to go through Samaria there was no option there was no choice because there were lost people there and Father, help us to stand up to the criticism. Help us to stand up to people who do not understand. Help us to not throw stones back and to not get angry. But help us to not be intimidated either. Because you call us to reach people for Jesus, and that's what we intend to do. Thank you, Father, for reaching us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.